This episode of the VentureForth podcast is sponsored by BTOKEN. Do you find yourself renting houses while on vacation or on business instead of the same old boring hotels? Or do you rent your house or apartment out for extra income on the side? Well, there's a new company out on the blockchain that's doing this with 0% commission. They're called the BTOKEN and are run by a seasoned team of former employees from Google, Facebook, Uber, and Civic. BTOKEN is reimagining the home sharing economy by building BNest and the B protocols on the Ethereum blockchain. Pre-sale starts January 2nd, and the ICO begins January 31st. Visit www.btoken.com for more information. That's www.betoken.com. Hello, and welcome to the VentureForth Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Mahabutivani. We'll be chatting with some of the most interesting founders, startups, and VCs about the experiences that led them to where they are today, what they're currently working on, as well as the journey ahead of them. Hey, VentureForth listeners. Unless you've been living under a rock, you've no doubt heard about Bitcoin and its recent meteoric rise. While you may or may not know what it is, how it works, or why it's important, my guest today has been involved since the beginning and knows a thing or two about it. With that said, I'm excited to introduce Roger Ver. Roger is one of the most well-known and controversial figures in the Bitcoin and crypto ecosystem. He's been an entrepreneur from an early age and even ran for California State Assembly as a Libertarian Party candidate in 2000. I had the pleasure of meeting Roger at one of the first Bitcoin conferences about five years ago, and he's one of the earliest evangelists in the cryptocurrency. He's also the first investor in other Bitcoin startups, including BitInstant, Ripple, BitPay, and Kraken. Today, he's the founder and CEO of Bitcoin.com, colloquially known as Bitcoin Jesus, and writes many opinion pieces about the future of Bitcoin. Bitcoin, ICOs, and the future of crypto are by far the hottest topics today, so I'm extremely excited to welcome Roger Verrett, dialing in all the way from St. Kitts to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. So I, I've got loads and loads of questions, and many of them contributed from listeners and members of the Bitcoin community. Obviously, we won't have time to cover everything in, in our short conversation, but I'll do my best. Uh, so I'd love to start off with your background and a journey from the early days coming up in San Jose, how you got involved in Bitcoin, and I'd love to know where the name Bitcoin Jesus came about. So um, I was born, raised right in the heart of Silicon Valley. I've uh, been playing with computers since as you know, early of an age as I can remember. Uh, I don't know, maybe second grade or something like that. Uh, I actually ran one of the more popular bulletin board systems in Silicon Valley uh, back in the early 90s as well, back for, for those of us that are old enough to remember, bulletin boards were kind of a, a precursor to the internet where lots of people would dial up to other local computers and you could exchange emails, but only, you know, one person could be logged on at a time or, or maybe two or three if, they, if, if you had two or three phone lines set up for the, for the bulletin board system. But uh, anyhow, did that. Uh, my hobby had been studying economics uh, as well. So, and if you stop and think about it for a moment, um, Bitcoin is basically a convergence of those two things, computer science and, and economics. So I had the exact right background to appreciate just how important or, and how big of a deal Bitcoin was going to become for, for society. And uh, I had my own tech uh, company selling computer hardware in Silicon Valley that allowed me to have enough capital before the invention of Bitcoin that I actually had some uh, economic resources that I was able to deploy to investing in Bitcoin startups and buying Bitcoin directly and, and promoting this you know, positive world changing technology uh, back before much of the world was paying any attention at all. So that was uh, in February of 2011 is when I, I got involved. And here we are today. It's this world changing uh, technology with, with, you know, more news coverage and media coverage than anybody could even possibly hope to keep up with. So it's been a pretty fun, uh, 
pretty fun ride for the last seven years. I'm a relative newbie myself, as many people are, um, and, and I feel like I've maybe been exposed more than most. Um, so can you briefly explain what Bitcoin is and, and how it works, why it's important, and, and how it's different than regular government-backed money, otherwise known as fiat? Sure. So the, the, the pitch or the speech that I've been giving about Bitcoin for the last seven years has been that uh, it allows you to send and receive any amount of money with anyone else anywhere in the world instantly, basically for free. And you don't need permission from a bank or government or anybody else to do it. And it's impossible for anybody, including governments, to block your payments or freeze your account. And something like that has never, ever, ever existed before in the history of the world. And that same speech today completely uh, still applies to, to Bitcoin Cash. Parts of that speech are no longer true in regards to Bitcoin Core. So I'm sure we'll dive deeper into the politics a little bit later. But uh, on August 1st, Bitcoin split into two versions of Bitcoin. There's now Bitcoin Core and Bitcoin Cash. But uh, why? How is that possible? Is the question? How you know? Why? Why can't PayPal do that? Why can't Visa do that? Well, the difference is, is that with with Bitcoin and the invention of the, this thing that everyone keeps hearing about is the blockchain. All a blockchain is is a fancy way of saying that you have this uh, distributed ledger. Where with, normally with PayPal or Visa or Bank of America, they have a, a copy of a ledger that keeps track of how much money each person has in each account. But that ledger is maybe on you know one or two computers that they have in their data center or at their headquarters somewhere. So at any point, the, the FBI or IRS or whoever else can come waltzing into their office and say, okay, freeze this person's account or undo this transaction or undo that transaction or freeze everybody's account for that matter. We saw that happen with a, a great service called eGold in the past. And so with Bitcoin, instead of that ledger being on one place and one server controlled by one company, it's on tens or hundreds of thousands of computers around the world in dozens of different countries around the world. And so in order to stop Bitcoin, you'd have to have these people go to all these computers all over the world that are running the Bitcoin software and doing the Bitcoin mining and turn off all of them all at the same time and keep them turned off. So essentially, you'd have to turn off the entire Internet in the entire world and keep it turned off. And that's pretty clearly not the, not a solution in, in this day and age. So that's what's uh, so exciting about Bitcoin is that it's uh, what's called a distributed technology. There's no headquarters, uh, even though I'm you know the CEO of Bitcoin.com. Bitcoin.com is not the official website for Bitcoin. There is no official website for Bitcoin. There is no uh, CEO of Bitcoin. There's no central controlling entity of Bitcoin. And even if uh, you know all of Bitcoin.com were to you know be taken offline tomorrow and I got tossed in jail, uh, Bitcoin would keep right on going and it wouldn't really skip a beat at all. Um, so it's a really really exciting technology from that perspective that it can't be stopped uh, and nothing like that's ever existed before in the history of the world. So. Uh, if you're in favor of people having more control over their own finances and their own money, uh, then you should definitely be a fan of Bitcoin. So you're one of the only people I know who actually spends Bitcoin like money and have been doing so for as long as I remember. As someone who lives in you know, sort of this privileged bubble that is Silicon Valley, I, I frankly don't know anybody who is actually spending it. Instead, everyone's sort of using it as a store of value. Do you believe this is the case everywhere? No, that's definitely not the case everywhere. So um, we have a team of somewhere around 70 uh, people on the payroll at Bitcoin.com now. We pay all of them uh, in, in Bitcoin. And you know, I set up BitcoinStore.com in 2012, which was the first major website to start accepting Bitcoin as payments. And just ask BitPay. I mean, people are using Bitcoin for payments like crazy, although now they're starting to use Bitcoin Cash rather than Bitcoin Core because you know we can dive into the details there later. So at this point, when you hear me referring to Bitcoin, just assume that I'm referring to to Bitcoin Cash. But I think if you're just simply trying to use it as a store of value and nothing else, I, th I think you're missing the point. 
the only way anything can become a store of value is if it has some secondary use case. And if it doesn't have any secondary use case other than being a store of value, it, it won't continue to be used as a store of value. Um, so just like with a with with dollars, people use them as a store of value because you can spend them everywhere and they're useful all over the place. With gold, they use that as a store of value because you can make electronics out of it, you can make jewelry out of it, you can you know use your dental fillings uh, with, with gold. So it has all these other use cases as well. And if it didn't have those secondary use cases, gold wouldn't be a store of value either. People use you know real estate or homes as a store of value. Well, guess what? You can you can live in it while it's being your store of value. So it has this secondary use case in the form of being able to live in it. So. If people try to morph Bitcoin into being only a store of value without any other use case, mainly a medium of exchange or, or being useful as a currency, you're going to destroy the, its usefulness as a store of value as well. And that's why uh, I've been a, a bit of a lightning rod uh, in regards to this Bitcoin scaling debate. But it's, it should be worth noting that I'm advocating for the exact same version of Bitcoin. That's the one that I got involved with back in 2011. It's still the one that's described on the Bitcoin.org uh, website on the front page there with a fast, you know, low-cost transactions worldwide. Uh, that's not true of Bitcoin Core, but that's still very clearly true of Bitcoin Cash. And it's very clearly the, the Bitcoin that's described in the original Satoshi Nakamoto white paper that describes it as a peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash system, not a peer-to-peer -peer electronic settlement layer or peer-to-peer -peer electronic science project, which unfortunately a lot of the people that are advocating Bitcoin Core's position uh, just want Bitcoin to be this some sort of science project or, or settlement layer. And that's not uh, that's not what Bitcoin was ever about. So there's a ton of volatility um, in this market, and especially with like its its price per coin. Uh, and this is true of seemingly all cryptocurrencies. How important is it for the price of the coin and the tokens to, to remain stable? It depends on what your use case is. So actually, from my point of view, I would like to be exposed to as much volatility as I possibly can uh, in Bitcoin Cash because I think the long term trend is up and i've been saying that about bitcoin in general for seven years and yeah there were a heck of a lot of wild springs you know, swings up and down um but in the long run look you know i got involved when bitcoin was a dollar now it's like eighteen thousand something dollars uh that's fine the volatility was was fantastic for me and uh, anybody that held for uh, i think anybody that bought bitcoin at any point other than to uh in the last maybe 10 minutes uh you're if you held it long enough you're you're up um, and I think that's going to continue to be true about Bitcoin Cash into the future because it's uh, useful as payments. We've seen uh, all sorts of businesses that used to be Bitcoin only are busy integrating altcoins because Bitcoin Core strangled or destroyed Bitcoin's usability as a currency. So now we're seeing businesses like uh, Coinbase and Blockchain.info and, and BitPay uh, and Bitcoin.com integrating Bitcoin Cash because Bitcoin Core is no longer the, the version of Bitcoin that any of these businesses got involved in. Uh, whereas Bitcoin Cash very clearly still is. So actually, so I want to dig into that a little bit and sort of understand the differences between Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin Core. And so, you know, you really, are, I guess, have transitioned into evangelizing Bitcoin Cash. What, what is the difference? Um, so from a user's perspective that doesn't know anything about the underlying technology, the difference is that if I wanted to send you Bitcoin Core coins, it would cost maybe 30 or 40 or $50 in fees for me to do that. And it would take hours, days, or maybe even weeks for you to actually even receive the money. Whereas if I wanted to use Bitcoin Cash to send you the money, it would cost about a third of a penny, and you would receive the money essentially instantly, and it would be confirmed in the very next block, um, which is exactly how Bitcoin used to work for about the first five years I was involved in Bitcoin. And Bitcoin stopped working that way. Bitcoin Core stopped working that way just recently because this Bitcoin Core team openly say that they want Bitcoin Core 
to have high fees and unreliable transactions. And they've succeeded in, in destroying the usability of Bitcoin. And that's why more and more people are switching to Bitcoin Cash, myself included as the very first uh, investor in the entire world in Bitcoin startups. I've sold the majority of my Bitcoin core coins to buy more Bitcoin Cash coins because uh, it's clear to me if one version of Bitcoin is slow, expensive to use and unreliable and another one's fast, cheap and reliable, it's, you don't have to be a, a Bitcoin core developer to figure out which one, of, which one of those versions of Bitcoin is going to be more useful to people. So my understanding is that there's been some development issues on the Bitcoin Cash fork. How do you source Bitcoin Cash developers? Um, there's six different competing development teams with a number of people in each of those development teams. Um, so I think it's just uh, more propaganda by the Bitcoin core side trying to claim that there's no developers working on uh, Bitcoin Cash. That's just an absolute lie. There's a, a whole bunch of people all over the world, uh, many of them paid, many of them volunteers. Um, but anybody that says that there's no developers working on Bitcoin Cash is either ignorant or intentionally lying. And I think in a lot of cases, it's people intentionally lying. It's worth pointing out that a bunch of Bitcoin Core supporters uh, actually just basically split the, the entire ecosystem and drove it into civil war by openly censoring anybody with a differing opinion uh, on the scaling debate, where they would literally delete anybody's post from BitcoinTalk.org uh, or our Bitcoin on Reddit. If you posted anything that wasn't uh, in favor of Bitcoin Core's roadmap, they would literally delete your post. And if you think Bitcoin is supposed to be about financial freedom and uh, being able to freely express your financial desires and transact with anybody without you know, worrying about your, censor, uh, your transaction being censored, why on earth would you support a bunch of people that have resorted to censorship to maintain Bitcoin as a censorship-resistant currency? It doesn't make any sense at all. And that's why I don't support Bitcoin Core or Blockstream or any of these people that have engaged in censorship. Uh, to support the Bitcoin Core agenda and roadmap. Will Bitcoin Cash implement near future Bitcoin Core upgrades? Uh, if the upgrades are actual upgrades. So one example of a Bitcoin Core quote-unquote upgrade was this replace by fee thing. But for anybody that's trying to use Bitcoin as a currency, you realize that replace by fee is an absolute, it, it's a, a negative feature. It's a detriment. It's a, it's a drawback to using Bitcoin. If somebody can pay you and then reverse the payment at any point up until the transaction's been included in a block, uh, that makes you less likely to want to use and trust uh, that currency, whereas Bitcoin Cash you know, got rid of that. That's no longer uh, the case on Bitcoin Cash, so therefore it's more useful as a currency. So I hear a lot of these Bitcoin Core developers openly saying that they wanted to have high fees and full blocks. Well, uh, Bitcoin Cash isn't going to be implementing any of those things because those are features only the people that never use Bitcoin or have no business sense whatsoever would be advocating for. And that's been a reoccurring theme I found of a lot of these people that support Bitcoin Core and uh, Blockstream. They don't even have a Bitcoin wallet on their phone. They don't even use Bitcoins for payments. Well, sure, if you've never ever you tried using Bitcoin, you might still think that it's great. But the moment you try to actually send or receive a payment with somebody, and it looks like it's going to cost 30 or 40 or $50 in fees to do so, and your transaction will take hours, days, or weeks, uh, you'll realize that Bitcoin's been broken by these people. It's literally been uh, incredibly damaged and, and, and intentionally broken by, by Blockstream and Bitcoin Core. And these people that advocate for the exact opposite features that Bitcoin used to have um, and that made Bitcoin the worldwide phenomenon that it is today. They've uh, intentionally damaged or broken or, or removed those features. So in the spirit of sort of everything sort of moving forward together um, and, and propagating worldwide so that everybody's kind of using it, how do you get more businesses building off of Bitcoin Cash? Um, well, we already see it happening. Everybody with any business sense is already looking for alternatives to Bitcoin Core. Um, and I think the Bitcoin Core people have absolutely no room to complain at this point. They got absolutely everything they asked for. They got their one megabyte blocks forever. They got their SegWit 
uh, and they have their their name of, of Bitcoin there as well. So they uh, they have everything they they asked for. Yet businesses are still leaving in droves. So we just saw the announcement of a uh, Valve, which sells online video games that have been accepting Bitcoin for years and uh, Bitcoin Core. They just announced that they're stopping selling that. Uh, I'm sorry, stop stopping accepting that because it's no longer useful as a currency. Uh, just earlier today, we saw GPUShack.com uh, that had been accepting Bitcoin for years and millions of dollars worth of Bitcoin payments. They just announced that they are stopping uh, accepting Bitcoin because it's no longer useful as a currency. But I suspect both of those businesses will be accepting Bitcoin Cash uh, in short order here. We just saw Bitco- BitPay yesterday announced that they're going to be integrating Bitcoin Cash. And BitPay had been a Bitcoin Core-only business uh, for their entire history. They had never even considered integrating an altcoin until the Bitcoin Core team and Blockstream team uh, destroyed Bitcoin's usability as, as a currency and in payments. And BitPay being a payment services provider, they had to look for an alternative. And the first one at the top of their list was Bitcoin Cash. So now they support it in their wallet, they support it in their Block Explorer, and now they uh, are supporting it for their, their merchant processing business as well. So, And we've seen the same thing with Blockchain.info, the world's number one Bitcoin wallet. They would have never, ever, ever integrated a single altcoin ever if Bitcoin Core had not destroyed Bitcoin Core's uh, usability as a currency. And so the first step was uh, blockchain integrated Ethereum, and now they've integrated Bitcoin Cash, and maybe we'll even see more in the future. Uh, but none of this would have happened. Bitcoin had like basically 100% market uh, adoption. They had 100% of the crypto coin market space. And then it wasn't until the fees became high, which was caused by the blocks being full, and the full blocks, not only did they cause high fees, they also cause unreliable transactions. So when Bitcoin Core got their way of full blocks and the high fees and unreliable transactions that they caused, businesses started looking for alternatives. And uh, that's why we've seen this uh, amazing adoption of, of uh, alternatives. And it's really, really frustrating for me as a large Bitcoin holder and the first person in the world to start investing in, in the businesses to make this ecosystem. Bitcoin Core won the propaganda war. Uh, but they certainly won't win. Uh, you can't fight the laws of economics any more than you can fight the tide coming in. And they've successfully destroyed Bitcoin's utility in commerce. Well, people are going to start using things other than Bitcoin Core in commerce. Once again, it's Bitcoin Cash. So I, I want to talk for a moment about uh, the many recent hacks to crypto wallets and platforms, including like Parity, NiceHash, Tether, and others sort of leading back to the mother of them all, which was Mt. Gox. How have these platforms been hacked and how can crypto, you know, whether you're an investor or, um, you know, even just a prospector, protect themselves from being robbed? Um, the advice I've been giving for the seven years I've been involved in Bitcoin is always hold your, your money on your own device. Make sure you hold the private keys yourself. Coinbase is a wonderful service that's helped millions and millions of people buy and sell their first Bitcoins. But they are not a Bitcoin wallet. They're a Bitcoin bank. They're holding the Bitcoins on your behalf. So at any time, they could be hacked and lose all your Bitcoins, or the government could go to them and say to give them all your Bitcoins. Uh, You don't know what's going to happen there. So that's why it's important to transfer your cryptocurrencies to a wallet in which you control the private keys yourself. And I've been saying that for seven years, and I think that advice is still true of every single cryptocurrency, except for maybe Bitcoin Core. And the reason why is the Bitcoin Core network is now so incredibly congested, um, and the fees are so incredibly high, and the transactions take so incredibly long to confirm that at some point there may be this mass rush for the door. And if your coins are on your own device and the network's so completely filled with people trying to get their Bitcoin to exchanges to sell for Bitcoin cash or something else, it might be too late for you to get your Bitcoins from your own wallet onto an exchange. So 
Uh, and there's a real possibility that might happen with a cascading effect of people moving away from Bitcoin, the miners moving away from Bitcoin Core and moving towards Bitcoin Cash. That would make the Bitcoin Core network even more congested. So this is the only time when I would ever consider maybe it's a better idea to actually keep your Bitcoin Core coins on an exchange in case this uh, flipping or tipping point towards Bitcoin Cash happens. That way you'd at least be able to get something for your Bitcoin rather than nothing at all. Hmm, very interesting. Yeah, I mean, Coinbase really seems to have opened up the floodgates uh, sort of to the world of anybody that wants to get involved. I mean, it's been the, I've heard reports saying that, you know, they open over 100,000 accounts a day. It's the number one app in the app store. And it's incredible. It's insane. People always ask me how they, they can get involved. And, you know, I always sort of point them to Coinbase as the sort of the easy entry into the ecosystem. But uh, what if they wanted to get involved in Bitcoin Cash, which which Coinbase doesn't trade? How How can they get involved in that? Um, so they can wait about two weeks because Coinbase has announced that they'll have uh, support for Bitcoin Cash by uh, January 1st. So any day now, you can probably expect to see Bitcoin Cash on Coinbase. Um, but if you can't wait that long, uh, I definitely recommend you come on over to Bitcoin.com. Uh, we have everything you need to know about both Bitcoin Core and Bitcoin Cash. And uh, try them out for yourself. If you send some Bitcoin Cash from one wallet to another and then back again, you'll probably lose close to $100 and uh You'll, you'll be a day or two older, depending on uh, what you set the fees for on the network. Uh, whereas with Bitcoin Cash, you can bounce it back and forth basically instantly. It'll cost you less than a penny. Um, so it's pretty clear which one of those two versions of Bitcoin is the useful one. Well, that may be, I think that, you know, that's definitely true. Um, how do you, I guess, avoid confusion between Bitcoin Cash and, and Bitcoin Core? I mean, I think to the layman, you know, investor or person interested in, in, the, in, in the coin, it's a little bit confusing. Uh, well, if you if you open our Bitcoin.com wallet, you'll see they're very, very clearly labeled. They're different colors. They're in different sections. Uh, there's no confusion whatsoever. So the only the only people that uh, would be confused are maybe people that haven't even opened the app and, and tried it. So there's if you try the app, there's definitely no room for confusion at all. They're very clearly uh, labeled. They're separated and they're they're separated by color as well. So there's I guess what I'm saying is download our app and give it a try. You'll see for yourself. Bitcoin.com. How do you think the government will react to the rise of all of these new cryptocurrencies uh, and, and Bitcoin Cash and, and Bitcoin itself? Uh, do you have any thoughts uh, about the IRS's recent win against Coinbase? And that's what governments all throughout history have done, is they look at who has the money and then they find a way to take it. And then sometimes they spend a little bit of it on things that people actually like or appreciate, like roads and schools. But more often than not, they spend it on all sorts of things that people don't approve of, like uh, dropping bombs on people in foreign countries or locking up a bunch of people within the country for, you know, buying, selling, or, or using drugs that don't hurt anybody. Like, uh, for example, uh, one Bitcoin guy that uh, I've known for quite a while, uh, unfortunately, he is in federal prison right now. He won't be out for another four or five years. Why isn't he in federal prison, you ask? Uh, he's in there for, for growing a plant that makes people feel happy. He was growing a plant in California called marijuana uh, that's now, I think, uh, on January 1st is going to be basically completely legal, even for recreational use in California and has been legal for medical use for a couple decades now. And ironically enough, the federal prison that he's in is in Colorado, a state where marijuana is completely legal for rec recreational purposes for everyone, anywhere and everywhere. So what is the IRS doing? It's taking a bunch of money from people and threatening to send them to jail if they don't pay. And then it uses that money to lock people in federal prison for growing plants that make people feel happy. 
who in their right mind would be wanting to support the IRS in, in doing these sort of horrible, horrible things to American people, and then funding the, you know, the dropping of bombs on people in other countries and drone strikes on people in other countries. Nobody in their right mind would want to fund this. And the only reason they do fund it is because they're threatened to be sent to jail if they don't. Uh, and whereas when you talk about things like schools and roads and bridges and hospitals, people love those things. People want those things. You, uh, we can fund all of those things without having an IRS. Uh, people will pay for those things voluntarily. You don't need to threaten people to pay for hospitals or, or schools or roads, roads and bridges. You only need to threaten people to pay for things that they don't approve of. And the IRS at the end of the day is a uh, simply threats of violence against peaceful people. So of course I'm opposed to the IRS and their involvement in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in any way. And that's actually what attracted me to Bitcoin to begin with is that it's a, a form of money that can't be shut down or stopped or controlled. They can throw lots of individual people in jail, just like they do for people for, you know, growing plants that make people feel happy. But at the end of the day, uh, just like they haven't stopped uh, people from using drugs with their crazy war on drugs, they won't be able to stop people from using cryptocurrencies no matter how many people they throw in jail or how harsh the penalties become. For all of their flaws, um, whether it's Bitcoin Core, Bitcoin Cash, and, and all the other cryptos, are there other cryptos that you are bullish on? And do you think another will take Bitcoin Core and, and or Bitcoin Cash's place as leader or even Ether? Sure. So in addition to the full blocks causing Bitcoin to have high fees and unreliable transactions, another really, really horrible side effect of that that was caused by Bitcoin Core's direct policy is it's made it too expensive for people to use the privacy tools on Bitcoin. So in order for something to be money, it has to be fungible. And fungibility just means that every piece is the same as every other piece. So in Bitcoin, that means that you should not be able to see the entire history of a Bitcoin and who it went to and who it went from and you know where it came from and what people are using it for. And now that the fees are so high and the blocks are so full, nobody can use any of these Bitcoin mixers or coin tumblers, any of that sort of stuff, because they've become too expensive to use, which is undermine bitcoin's usefulness as money so when it comes to other coins i'm a really really bullish on the privacy coins um so monero zcash zcoin uh, dash to some extent although i'm a, a little bit concerned as to just how strong the privacy is with dash but uh all the privacy coins now of course i'm ecstatic to see additional privacy tools coming to both ethereum and bitcoin cash as well bitcoin cash uh will be far more private than bitcoin core which will make it a far better uh, currency i want to talk about the current sort of or maybe it's even tapering off a little bit but the craze over icos and altcoins for a moment so when you look at the current situation and craziness around icos which are initial coin offerings to those listening do you get concerned that the discipline of traditional investors whether it's like vcs and angels and that sort of thing and perhaps to a higher degree retail investors is going by the wayside you know in the frenzy for exposure to crypto and and hopefully you know gaining on the the skyrocketing prices of these coins well, I, I think ICOs are great because for the first time in the history of the world, it now enables anybody anywhere in the world to invest in any other entrepreneur anywhere in the world. And it doesn't matter what country they're in or what passport they hold or where their bank account is or any of that sort of stuff. So, yeah, lots of scammers will do bad things and trick people and scam them on the Internet. But uh, lots of amazing new businesses are going to be born. I look at Ethereum. Ethereum was basically a, a, an ICO when they launched. So uh, and look at all the amazing stuff that's being built on top of that as well. Um, so to to try and dampen the amount of people that are able to participate in ICOs, that's that's foolish. You're just retarding the rate of economic growth of the entire world's economy. So uh, cryptocurrencies are great and ICOs are, are great because it allows this uh, permissionless innovation where you don't have to – where it makes it much, much more difficult for these you know strangers with guns that we've never met but happen to work in buildings with flags out in front from threatening the rest of us and telling us what we can or can't invest our own money in uh, 
Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and ICOs are all about people having 100% complete control of their own money. And with that complete control comes a lot of responsibility not to, you know, invest your money in, in bad investments. But uh, that's how people live and learn. And uh, I'm excited about those sort of things. And I think these politicians need to leave everybody alone to live their life and uh, manage their own money the way they see fit, not the, the way some, some politicians in some far off city see fit. So do you think there's a need for so many um, altcoins? Like, d does the world need 20,000 different kind of sort of altcoins um, in all these ICOs? Because at this stage, there's seemingly more than one a day. Yeah, I guess it's not really my place to say. At the end of the day, the market will decide which, which altcoins or which ICOs they find valuable and useful. And people will put their money in those. And the ones that don't will kind of fizzle out. But I think it's a great thing that we have, you know, lots of different choices in, in deodorant or soft drinks or or tennis shoes, or, or cars, or you know, or computers, or take your pick. The more the more cho choices people have, uh, you know, the better off they are. So that that's a good thing, and uh, I don't have any problem with that whatsoever. Where will Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin Core and just sort of the crypto ecosystem be in five or ten years? Or maybe that's that's even too long to to try to uh, look out at. Uh, the short answer is I don't know. Um, the next answer is that I would guess that the coins that provide the most utility and that are scarce will have the biggest market cap because the only reason anything has any any value or any price in the market is if it's useful and if it's scarce. And Bitcoin Core and Bitcoin Cash are both equally scarce. But Bitcoin Core has this big giant, you know, they managed to get the, the original ecosystem or network to follow along with it. But Bitcoin Cash is, you know, catching up in a, you know, you know hurricane of, uh, of development there. And I don't think it'll be too much longer before Bitcoin Cash has a bigger network and is more useful on-chain as well, I think we're going to see Bitcoin Cash surpass Bitcoin uh, Core in the not-too-distant future. And I don't think it's going to take five or ten years to do that. I think we're looking at one or two years for that to happen. Uh, and all these other altcoins, if something even better than Bitcoin Cash comes along, well, guess what? People are going to use that. Uh, just like uh, you know, something better than the current iPhone seems to come along every year. And sure enough, people switch to and start using that. So the, the same may very well be true of, uh, of cryptocurrencies. And it's much, much easier to switch from one cryptocurrency to another than it is to switch from from dollars to some other traditional fiat currencies. So, uh, so use whatever currency is the most useful for you. Yeah, definitely. And so, what would it take for you know, even if it was the government to just say uh, of some country to say, okay, you know, we are our country's currency is completely nuts and it's inflating like crazy. We're just switching over to to you know Bitcoin Cash. Maybe 2018 will be the year we see that happen for the first time. Um, I would be kind of surprised if that doesn't happen within the next five years, to be honest. Um, if you look at how far Bitcoin's come in the last five years, from 2012 to today, and I think that rate of adoption and, and innovation and, and, and uh, usage around the world is going to increase. So if we went from not many people at all using Bitcoin in 2012, and the low in 2012 was just a little bit, uh, right around $2 a Bitcoin, and here we are you know, knocking on the $20,000 door, where is it going to be in five years from now? I, I think it would be uh, surprising if there weren't countries using uh, some form of cryptocurrency as their, their national currency in, in five years from now. What will be Roger Ver's legacy, I guess, after all this? Um, you, you know, you've, you've had quite a career and, you know, have been sort of the figurehead for the movement for a while now. And what do you think that legacy will be? Um, I think my legacy will be as the first uh, investor in Bitcoin startups and someone who advocated the original vision of Bitcoin for the entire time, even when a bunch of other people engaged in censorship and personal attacks and online propaganda and character assassination, 
Uh, I've been advocating the exact same Bitcoin the entire time, the entire way through. And the reason I've been advocating that is because I want to see every single human being on the planet be able to transact with every other human being on the planet uh, instantly, basically for free and without uh, being able to be censored by, by governments or corporations or anybody else. And that's, uh, that's the promise of Bitcoin Cash. That's no longer the promise of Bitcoin Core. And if the Bitcoin Core people hate me for that, uh, they can hate all day long. I'm, I'm here to spread the truth, not to be popular. Awesome. That's that's fantastic. Um, thank you so much. Yeah, I'd like to kind of transition into our quickfire round now. So, you know, these are sort of the short question and answer round, but I'd like to start off by asking, what is your favorite book? My favorite book? I guess I'll, I'll choose two. One nonfiction and one fiction book, if, if you don't mind. Oh, absolutely. And I think for nonfiction, my favorite book is probably The Ethics of Liberty by, by Murray Rothbard. And uh, it will really change the way you see the world. And he just lays things out so clearly with, you know, step by step with this irrefutable logic and consistency. And uh, so I guess I really recommend that anybody read uh, The Ethics of Liberty by Murray Rothbard. Uh, For nonfiction, I suppose I would have to say Cryptonomicron. And for anybody who hasn't read Cryptonomicron by Neil Stevenson, and I had a fantastic honor of getting to set up Neil Stevenson with his first Bitcoin wallet and giving him his first Bitcoin a few years back. So that was a real honor. But Cryptonomicron is an incredibly exciting book where there's uh, this online digital cache that allow different you know files around the world to have their own little communities where they can interact with each other using their own currencies outside of the reach of you know these politicians and governments that normally want to control people. And uh, it's an incredibly exciting book. And it's been... Uh, Shoot, I hate to admit it, but coming up on 20 years since I read the book, it's probably at least 15 years since I read that book. And uh, anyhow, it's a, a fantastic and uh, enthralling book as well. So I, I guess those are probably my, my two favorite books. What do you collect, if anything, and why? What do I collect? Um, previously, I collected, like like lots of other Bitcoiners, I collected Magic the Gathering cards. Yeah. Um, but they also... They also had a utility. I could play this incredibly uh, deep, fascinating, strategic game with them. It was uh, incredibly fun. And uh, I even uh, actually played in the, in the Magic the Gathering Pro Tour back in the day, which was a lot of fun. Uh, so I collect. I used to collect Magic the Gathering cards. I've been too busy with Bitcoin to do that any longer. And then, uh, uh, believe it or not, I actually used to, I don't know if collect is the right word, but I, I definitely had a bunch of Beanie Babies. And the reason I had them is because I could buy them for less and sell them for more. And they were collectible. And I sold a lot of Beanie Babies. But at the end of the day, the Beanie Baby craze went pop. And I was left over with a a big giant closet full of Beanie Babies (laughs) that I hadn't sold yet. And were unused inventory, which I wound up just donating for free to a a school so all the school kids could have their little Beanie Babies. But uh, those are two of the things that I've collected in the past. What has been your favorite Bitcoin startup that you've invested in? The most successful one has been blockchain.info, for sure. I think the one that I'm having the most fun with now is, is Bitcoin.com, the domain name itself, that uh, after the, the people at OKCoin literally forged uh, my signature onto a fake contract and did everything they could to renege. Uh, and you can find a bunch of previous employees of OKCoin that have uh, basically said to the management there are a bunch of liars and doing shady stuff. So I would caution anybody away from using OKCoin. Um, but anyhow, after they reneged on their... Uh, contract with me to rent the domain name i started running it as a business myself so i've really been enjoying uh building bitcoin.com into one of the most notable brands in in the ecosystem today and uh sometime this coming week will be a top 1000 website uh, in the united states and will be a top 1000 website in the world at some point next year i'm sure as well so it's really fun and we just crossed a million wallet users a couple of days ago and we're coming up like literally like i think three maybe four days ago and we're uh, almost up to 1.1 million wallet users now 
And we just launched that wallet maybe three or four months ago now too. So it's been incredible just to see how uh, how quickly people are starting to use our services and read our news and, and participate on our forum. So that's my favorite uh, favorite one at the moment. What apps can you not live without? Believe it or not, uh, my favorite app other than Bitcoin related apps and I might even use it or find it more useful than a lot of the Bitcoin apps or maybe all of the Bitcoin apps is I have a, an app called Sleep Cycle and it keeps track of how long I sleep each night and it's fantastic and I know that if I woke up too early or went to bed too late and I can really feel the difference in the day if I don't get enough sleep I know when I woke up in the morning oh I didn't get enough sleep last night I'm not going to feel so well today I should try and find time for a nap if possible and I've been using this app for a long long time and uh, I absolutely love the app. It's, it's fantastic. And you really get to know your, your own body's rhythm as to when you need to sleep and when you don't. And uh, you can be much more effective throughout your day if you do have enough rest and you have more motivation and drive and, and energy to get things done throughout the day if you get enough rest. So I, I really love that uh, sleep cycle app. Price prediction for Bitcoin and or Bitcoin Cash through 2018. I guess my prediction for the end of 2019, so two years out, Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Bitcoin Cash will be more expensive than Bitcoin Core. And it certainly might happen sooner than, than 2019, two years out. But uh, I would be very, very surprised if Bitcoin Cash is not more expensive than Bitcoin Core uh, within the next two years. And it might even happen you know, as soon as within the next two months. It's, it's really hard to say exactly how soon that'll happen. But uh, I would be really, really, really surprised if that doesn't happen. And I think uh, Bitcoin Cash at that point will be, uh, will be more than $20,000 when that happens. Oh, wow. So I, I think I may know the answer to this now, but if I have $1,000 to invest in anything, what would you recommend? And by the way, I think it'd be fun to check in in about six months to see how the investment is done, and I'll make the bet. Okay. Um, so unlike lots of people that support Bitcoin Core, um, they, they would advise, you know, don't ever buy anything other than Bitcoin Core. It's a scam. But the honest truth of the matter is, is don't put all your eggs in one basket. A couple of years ago, Bitcoin had basically 100% market share. So yeah, at that point, if you're going to invest in cryptocurrencies, put 100% of it in Bitcoin. But today we have, you know, Ethereum and Monero and Dash and of course Bitcoin Cash and Zcash and Zcoin and the, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Um, don't put all your, your, your money in one basket. So I would buy, uh, some Bitcoin Cash, of course, some Ethereum, some Monero, some all of the ones that I just mentioned. And I would even buy some Bitcoin Core because you never know what's going to happen and what the future brings. So don't put all your eggs in one basket, but, uh, I would think the one that you, sh- the top two that you should probably put your money in is Bitcoin Cash, and then Ethereum. Both of those far, far, far ahead of Bitcoin Core because uh, all you need to do to realize that Bitcoin Core isn't useful anymore is to try sending or receiving it, and you realize that, that the user experience is absolutely atrocious. And anybody that tries using it will be like, "Why would I ever use this ever again? This is horrible." I will make the bet. And finally, are you Satoshi Nakamoto? Um, so no, I've been asked that a lot of times. I'm definitely not Satoshi Nakamoto, but, uh, there was one time one reporter phrased it in such a way that I thought, oh, that isn't, uh, such a, such an outrageous claim. So he, the way he asked me, he said, well, I know you've been a libertarian for a long, long time and you don't want governments to be able to control money. And he said, and I realized that you, you know, were already wealthy before the invention of Bitcoin. So did you fund the, a team to build a distributed money that couldn't be stopped and controlled by governments? And uh, did I fund with my own money the creation of Bitcoin? And I wish I could say that was true, but no, it's not. But at least that was a plausible theory because uh, I'd read about the idea of this online anonymous digital cash back in the, the late 90s in science fiction books. 
and I had been just waiting for it to come into existence. And I guess I, I wish I had thought of trying to pay somebody to create it myself. But uh, when Bitcoin finally did come along, I thought, oh, great, this online anonymous digital cash that I had read about in science fiction books and all the great ways it's going to change the world uh, is finally here. So I jumped in with both feet. But no, I, I didn't fund the creation of Bitcoin, um, the software anyhow. Uh, and then uh, I, I didn't create it myself either. So, so no, the short answer is no. <laughs> So uh, we've arrived at the part of the show where um, I'd love to give the floor to you uh, and the platform to you to uh, plug anything that you like. Um, I guess I'll, I'll plug two things. Uh, one is the idea of voluntarism, and that's the idea that all human interaction should be on a voluntary, consensual basis or not at all. And if you spend a moment to think about it, that's how everybody deals with everybody in their daily life. When you go to Starbucks, Starbucks is asking you to buy their coffee, and if you decline – that's fine. You're allowed to decline. decline. Starbucks isn't going to do anything at all. They're not going to force you to buy their coffee. Neither is Walmart or Microsoft or anybody else for that matter. Uh, the only people that force you to engage in them against your will are, you know, murderers, rapists, you know, burglars, and governments. And if you stop and think about it, everybody knows that murderers and rapists and, 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 you know, burglars are all bad people because they're initiating force against you. They're, they're dealing with you in a non-consensual manner. You don't agree to, if you agreed to let the rapist rape you, it wouldn't be rape. If you agreed to let the robber rob you, it wouldn't be a robbery. If you consent to any of these things, then they're no longer the bad things. Uh, the, the only thing in society that people seem to not stop and think about is governments. Governments tell you, you have to pay them money to participate in their retirement program, or you have to pay them money to fund their wars, or you have, even if you have to pay them money to build their schools or hospitals or roads, if you don't consent, they will hurt you. They will send you to jail against your will. And if it's wrong for individuals that we would normally call robbers or, or murderers or rapists to deal with people against their will, it's just as wrong when people put on a fancy uniform and work in a building with a flag out in front to do those exact same things. A bunch of politicians getting together and writing down words on a piece of paper and calling it a law does not alter morality. If it's wrong to use force uh, and initiate force against other human beings, it's wrong when people calling themselves government do the exact same thing. So uh, there's a fantastic video on, on YouTube called Government Explained, and it's with like an alien lands on Earth, and the guy tries to explain to an alien what government is, and it's a couple minutes long and very entertaining, and I think it's a great way of uh, explaining these ideas. And uh, if I can recommend one other YouTube video, it's another one called George Ought to Help, which just explains plain as day that even if the taxes are used to fund good things that we do approve of, um, it's still stealing. And uh, it, it's not okay because of that. So uh, George Ought to Help is one video, and uh, Government Explained is another video. So I guess those are the two things that uh, are not directly cryptocurrency related, but it was because of my interest in the philosophy and moral philosophy there that brought me to be involved in Bitcoin. And now I get emails from people almost every day around the world that they say because they got involved in Bitcoin, they heard about these ideas of voluntarism, and they've now considered themselves a voluntarist or, or, or a free market advocate, which is a... Uh, just music to my ears. So uh, I'm using Bitcoin to spread economic liberty and, and human freedom all over the world. And people are waking up to the ideas that you shouldn't use, you know, violence or threats of violence against peaceful people. And by definition, that's what governments do. And uh, we don't need them. And I think people are going to see pretty quickly that uh, turns out we don't need governments any more than we needed Santa Claus to bring us uh, Christmas presents on Christmas. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that. Um, Roger, I'd like to thank you for sharing your story. For better or for worse, the cryptocurrency phenomenon is exploding. And I'm looking forward to seeing how things pan out, as well as helping to build the blockchain ecosystem myself. 
Again, thank you so much for donating your time today, and I look forward to catching up over Korean barbecue the next time you're in town. I would love it. And that same particular Korean barbecue restaurant now accepts Bitcoin Cash. So see you there. Uh, and which restaurant is that for, for the listeners? Uh, um, yeah, we'll tell everybody. If you're in Silicon Valley, uh, in Santa Clara, uh, on Kylie near Benton, there's a Korea Spring Barbecue. The name is Korean Spring Barbecue. And they accept Bitcoin Core, but nobody pays for that anymore. They accept Ethereum and they accept Bitcoin Cash. And the last time I talked to the owner, he said lots of people are paying with Bitcoin Cash. Some people pay with Ethereum. Nobody pays with Bitcoin Core anymore because it would cost them like an extra 30 or $40 in fees just to pay for dinner. Also, the food's awesome. <laughs> it certainly is. Again, thank you so much, Roger. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe to the VentureForth podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. You can also follow at VentureForthPod on Twitter for our latest updates. As always, I'm your host, Joe Mahavutivani, and thank you for listening to the VentureForth podcast.